Hello and welcome to episode 13 of After This. Uh, I'm Daniel. My name is Carla. And I'm Shannon. <laughs> and uh, today what we're trying to talk about is essentially the dynamic that exists in a lot of places between government and private solutions to problems. Um, it's something that's become uh, much more prevalent over the last half of the 20th century and it really kicked into insane town with um, Reagan is this sort of move away from using the government for really anything uh there's i mean it, it, that's the thing like it's it's this idea that we can make everything profitable because government institutions aren't profitable because they run poorly or something like it that's essentially what it is mm. and that seems to be what it's informed by is i think what you did have especially in the 70s and 60s in america is you'd had basically you actually did have a few government agencies and mm. things that were providing services that were just like gridlocked and hamstrung by inefficient processes and i think they weren't really delivering things that they were meant to Mm. and this narrative grew up around essentially returning to this sort of pure america this free enterprise america like and that's and that's what reagan was all about and Mm. he sold it really well because he was obviously an ex movie actor Actor, yeah actor yeah. yeah Very charismatic. Um, yeah, yeah, no, he could sell the message really well. And basically he's like, uh, you know, America, it's like, it came around the same time that that manufacturing loss was really kicking in as well. Right. So basically everything was starting to leave, stuff was starting to go wrong. Um, there was a recession in the 80s as well, um, mm. which I think he played into. And it's like, all this has happened because we've just done really efficient things and we should go back to being full business, full enterprise kind of thing. That's that's the future. And look at the opposite, because at the time they had the USSR. Mm. So the thing is, everyone was terrified. working so well. It's like, like exactly. The, at the time, they were all terrified of that. And so it kind of drove this new thing to it's come into creation. Like either extreme of the spectrum is not going to work very well. <laughs> and you need a balance. <laughs> and that's, exactly. And, that, and I think that's the thing is, like, you need to do a balance. You need to do it well, because... <clears throat> Easier said than done. Exactly. And it's, that's the thing, like all things with moderation, but uh, it's, I think they thought we haven't done this in ages, let's do it. But the thing is, I mean, a lot of countries in the world have experimented with things like just going full hard that way. Um, I mean, honestly, if you want to look at places with weak governance structures and dominant private interests, you look at the Congo and its last 20 years of civil war. Mm. Basically, the government is ineffective. Like, you can't do anything. And basically, the people and the people in it do whatever they want, essentially. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, when you combine that with poverty and you surround it with countries that have their own issues, you get a country ripe to just sort of start killing itself. Yeah. And that's just what happens. Yeah. Um... And so this narrative that's gone back the other way and now we've sort of moved into the twi- like the year 2000 and beyond, it's like we've sort of flitted back and forth, but over time that sort of really stayed, that thing mm. of like government solutions are terrible, they're not going to work. Mm. Um, so we should try and find a private solution to everything and make an app, I don't know, like whatever bullshit it is. But the thing is, like, it's, uh, it's really detrimental to the countries that are doing it but it's so much part of like their internal narrative that they've really committed to it yeah like government it's almost like this thing has come along that governance is anti-american it's like yeah very much so like you know what i mean like and the problem is america is the is the hub of world culture so everything they think emanates to everyone else so the thing is if americans are all talking about the problems with government 
it emanates to Britain, which mm. is a big part of like their move away from the EU because they mm. thought it's a big governance structure. Therefore, obviously, terrible. Therefore, it's useless. Um, it permeates out to here. Like you can see the liberals, the way that they behave. It's like informed by the Americans in mm. a lot of instances. Like ScoMo with his big hero, Mr. Trump. <laughs> uh, we all know. We all know it's terrible, but. That's the that's that's the world that it is because the narrative has gone the other way, yeah. and we don't really have these big clear narratives of too much corporatism, but we have these big narratives of too much governance, yeah. and we don't have anything to weigh it against, which mm. is why that one is dominant. Because, um, like, they say, look at the USSR and China, mm. like, and the North and the North Koreans, like that is kind of like the big example, and you can't easily direct it to an opposite of, like, too little of something, because mm. all the instances where there's too little of something, there wasn't a thing to point at, if you know what I mean. So, like, like all the instances where too much freedom, mm -hmm. in terms of, like, no controls whatsoever, have caused problems, I mean, that's kind of, like, prehistoric man killing each other. <laughs> like, you can't, you can't call it something, because it's not anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like... <clears throat> and like if a country degrades into a civil war and then it becomes 10 separate little countries because of a lack of control mm. we don't see that as a thing we see it as 10 separate little things yeah, yeah, and sense. it's like by the very implication of it being a lack of something you can't call it something mm. yeah it's 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 made it very complicated to argue against Mm. Um, but what I wanted to do, because obviously the Republicans are the champions of this in America, the champions of minimal governance and everything else, and it's a very, to a lot of them it's a very academic thing, and mm -hmm. to some of them it's just a knee-jerk thing, like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an array. I've actually been reading this book called American Carnage, it's mm -hmm. really good, it's about, um, this reporter basically just explains what happened inside the Republican Party between... 2008 and 2016 mm -hmm. like while they weren't in power like this is crazy back and forth tearing each other to bits kind of thing where it's like a bunch of people are just reaction sort of like the tea party people are just let's destroy the government and then there's the other half which is like conservative academics and people who've been doing it a long time mm -hmm. and they're like no we just want to minimize spending but we're still a functional governance party and it's just all the stuff that goes on. So I absolutely recommend that book, American Carnage. I can't remember the name of the author, but it's very, very good. And it explains sort of like how you ended up with Donald Trump because there was like eight other people that were like mini Donald Trumps before he turned up and that you don't really know about. No. But like they made this really clear and obvious thing that someone just should step in and yell at everyone and it would work. And there's a lot of precedent. Mm, I just looked up the book uh, by Tim Alberta. That's American it. Carnage. Yeah. He's a Politico reporter, but, um, no, it's very balanced, like, it's not, he's obviously not really got his own thing, it's just that he's fascinated by what's happened inside the party. Um, anyway, yeah, so I wanted to get on to what one of the Republican senators, I think he was a senator and he became a governor, mm -hmm. um, Governor Brownback, and, um, it was this, fa this famous big experiment that they did, so they sat down and they said, this is going to be the big Kansas experiment kind of thing, and, uh, we're going to sort of show you how it works, sort of thing. So, what happened was, his plan was to implement, like, the hardcore version of conservatism in a state and see what happens, because Kansas was um, quite famous for having, like, really, really good schools, really good infrastructure, uh, roads, all those kinds of things. It was kind of famous for having a really good everything. Mm -hmm. And there were these stories in this book I read called 
uh, Dying by Whiteness, which is where this town exists, and this is where I heard about this in the first place, is this town that exists on the border of Kansas and some other state that's next to it, and um, people would live in this town, like, he was getting, like, like interviews of these people, they live in this town, and when they had kids, they'd move from the side that was on the other state into the Kansas side, mm -hmm. because so the, schools the schools and the roads were better, yeah. and it was, like, it, it sat on the both sides of a state line, um, so they'd move from the cheap part to the Kansas part to get the better stuff, mm. um, and, um, what uh, Brownback essentially did, so I'm just going to read um, read what I've written down. So it's meant to be a shot of, a shot of adrenaline into the heart of the Kansas economy. Uh, it was forecasting 23,000 additional jobs by 2020. He implemented nine rounds of budget cuts over four years, starting in 2010. And what actually happened in the end, so he went through this whole process where he was stripping funds from roads and schools and the budget and everything he could get his hands on. But just, just to specify, the government was injecting the money into Kansas for the schools and the roads. And yes, no, no, exactly. No, no, exactly. So, so Kansas uh, had a very big, like famously large uh, infrastructure and school budget. And spent quite a lot of money on it. I think that's part of the reason why they did it here was yeah. to like almost like because they wanted to prove a point, uh, <laughs> which is ironic. It's get even um, but um, so that was just to lower taxes, basically. Yeah. So basically, yeah. the idea was we'll bring back all of this, we'll lower taxation, kind of businesses uniformly. will have more money. Sorry. Kind of uniformely, or kind of focusing on business taxes. Uh, it's. Probably. I think it was everyone. Yeah. Actually, I think it was sort of like he was trying to hit everything, but obviously, as with most of these things, the biggest differences end up occurring at the top end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is sort of the inadvertent thing, um, but he. Uh, so they did all these things, and the idea is that as people have more money, and obviously a lot of people listening will be familiar with conservative theory, but as people have more money, they're going to use that money to buy more things. They're going to hire more people, they're going to start more businesses, they're going to do stuff with the money. Like, that is the idea. Like, the stuff that they do with the money ends up creating more work. Now, that works in theory but the problem is that what happens is when you get people with stupendous amounts of money <laughs> they often end up just keeping it somewhere because mm. they don't know what to do with it yeah. they don't compulsively spend in if fact I, you know people who are much lower on the income spectrum if you give them money they will spend it yes yeah, yeah no no exactly because packages cause, yeah, yeah cause which the, is what kept Amer uh, kept australia running through the gfc yeah. Yes, yeah, no, because no, we had a Labour government, so our version, if you're in America, it's our version of the left-wing sort of thing, um, and he put a stimulus package in, which basically just gave everyone an injection of funds, mm. essentially, and um, everyone spent on a bunch of stuff, all the companies came out, it was funny, because all the businesses had uh, tax refund deals, yeah. or whatever it is. everything no, no. was like $1,000. Yeah, 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 it was, because yeah. yeah, they basically gave 1000 bucks to everyone, and... Um, yeah, all these businesses were like, this is the deal we're doing for $1,000 or something. And, like, they're all marketing to it. And it was actually... I reckon well. that probably did really well, honestly, by companies. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard... That's what I've heard, is that that was kind of what, yeah, helped yeah. us stay out of it. And, and yeah. really did well. Yeah, no, 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 because we definitely... I mean, that and a mining boom that we sort of had around the same time, we um, used mm. the two things to kind of avoid having to participate in the shit show that was the DFC. <laughs> Um, Sorry, but, I derailed us a little no, bit. No, 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 we got, we got, we got, it's a good point, because the thing is, that comes into this, but mm -hmm. the thing is, what they wanted to do was strip all these things away, and then people would spend more money, but really, I think that was probably a, not a terrible idea earlier in the 20th century, 
right? Mm-hmm. When the thing is when uh, people couldn't put their mini- money as many interesting places. Mm. Like, it's more... You'd spend it somewhere around, or you'd spend it somewhere within the country. You're more likely to, anyway. Yeah. Um, even then, I think they still had an issue with it because, like, people would just save the money or keep it somewhere, and they're like, "I don't know what I'm going to do with this money, so I'm not going to spend it mm. because I might think of something later." Mm. Like, they're not rich. People aren't stupid. Like, <laughs> they're not just going to sit there and spend money on things they don't need no. or create businesses they don't need. Whereas a normal person has a whole ton of stuff that they need. Yeah. Has a whole ton of things they'd like to do. They're not multi-billionaires that just can't think of things to buy anymore. Mm. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's why it's, it's a bit of a... I can see the logic in it. Yeah. And I can see it makes sense, but it doesn't really carry through in practice. And there's mm. nowhere you can really point to in the world where it really does. Um, and that's part of the reason why they have those high tax systems as well, like I was mm. saying the other week, is that... It incentivizes you to deduct from it. Yeah. So the thing is, if you're going to automatically get this much taxation or your wealth's going to get taxed at this, but you spend it on a bunch of business things and you create some stuff and you buy things, you can call that like expenses yeah. and then you can write it off. So you actually use the money. But anyway, what happened was after all these credits, all these um, funding strips, all these everything else, uh, seven years later, so from 2010 to 2017, uh, it resulted in three credit downgrades, misstate payments, and what was described as an ongoing atmosphere of fiscal crisis. Mm. Apparently, they <clears throat> they tapped into state reserve funding for future projects, a postponed construction, postponed road construction. They actually postponed pension contributions. Wow. Um, they cut medical benefits and they cut school budgets. And apparently, and I was reading about this, it was when it hit the school budgets, especially, because yeah. that was the earliest, like, serious thing. <clears throat> and suddenly all these people that lived in Kansas were like, yeah, absolutely, lower my taxes. And then suddenly their schools became shit. <laughs> and then they're like, somebody please wait, what the fuck are you children? doing? <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that was the reaction. It was like, wait, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you, why are you ruining the schools? Like, well, I'm pulling back state funding. Yes. Like, <laughs> and it's like, it makes sense, doesn't it? And everyone's like, no, hold on, my roads suck now. My thing, like, mm. what do you think these things are connected to? Like, yeah. uh, like that's the thing. And I think, um... In a lot of places, what you end up with is this uh, this idea, and this is the defense that I hear all the time, because people say, we want free healthcare, we want free um, education, all that sort of stuff, and then the conservative counterpoint is, what are you talking about? It's not free, you pay for it in your taxes. Yeah. Like, and it's like, you, that is a good point, but what, we're talk- what you talk about with it is economies of scale. Because yeah. the thing is, yeah. by having everyone in a country contribute a set amount of money, you contribute a far, 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 far smaller amount Mm. and you have a reliable source of income that you can plan out a project with. Mm. If you're purely reliant on individuals paying when they go into something, you will end up with something much more haphazard and they'll probably charge people more because they're trying to get a sense of security. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Whereas if you basically just charge everyone, you're just like, hey, everyone, 10 bucks, Mm. right? You can probably get... I mean, you'd probably fund all the schools in Australia if you probably just... I don't know, probably not, no, but it'd probably it'd be lighter, more than that. Yeah, but it's... the thing is, the disparity between the amount they would need to charge people individually, yeah, and that's the, then that it comes into the next question is why should I pay for things that other people want? But the thing is, because you live in a society, it, well, it's it's that is like... one. But then the other thing is, you never know when you're going to need it. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like 
you never know when your nephew or niece or some cousin or your kid or you are going to need something or something like that. It's like by having this and having a minimal spend thing behind it and having uniform laws behind it, you can create a, basically a thing where there's no way you or your loved ones or anyone else is going to miss out on some essential service mm. because it's all covered already. Mm. Um, and it's covered all the time. And, you, and it's the same reason you buy insurance. But honestly, this would cost less than insurance because mm. insurance is voluntary. They have to charge a set base of people for the procedures that everyone else is inside it. So yeah. the thing is, have far fewer people, they think, that would sign up for insurance that are healthy. So... Yeah you have a much higher premium yeah. for the people who are in it because you don't have the healthy people as well. Mm. Um, and insurance companies need to make a profit because yes. they're a company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and that's... then they need those annoying call centers full of people who try to get you to sign up to their insurance and they yes. need to be paid. And that's the thing as well. Australia is like, I don't know how big a problem it is in every country. I know it is a problem in other countries, but we do have an issue with useless health insurance schemes. Yeah. Where, like, you'll get charged for something and it's so ineffectively minimal. Mm. Like, it says all this stuff on it, on the front page, but then you buy it and they don't really talk about it, but it's actually missing tons of stuff. Yeah. Like, that they don't want to talk about. And that's the thing is you're... You're in a predatory relationship with businesses. Yeah, that's and it. And that's the thing. And that is the fundamental difference between the way I deal when I deal with the government. A government institution that is there and they've been tasked purely with a mission to provide a service. Yeah. And then I go to a company and the company is purely interested in getting my money and giving me nothing back. Mm. Like, that is the way... That is the way... Um, co commerce works is yeah. it's basically you are trying to create an entity that can provide as much for as little as possible. Yeah. Sorry... Provide as little for as much as possible. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um, where basically, if they can if they can charge you all ten thousand dollars every year and give you nothing, um, that's a perfect business. Yeah, like that that mm. that doesn't break the rules of business at mm. all. Like, it's all perception and and that sort of thing. Yeah, and that's that's great when you're talking about you know selling cookies or sports equipment or stuff that like you don't really need to have a functional society. Yeah, like I don't want. You don't want everything to be government-run, but yeah. things that are for the good of society, like your health and your roads and, and all those kinds of things. Yeah. It's, you don't want to have a profit built into that. You want to do it for as cheap yeah. and efficiently as you can. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, 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 I agree. I think... Um... They, I think the idea is, and obviously none of these people are evil. They, yeah. they, I think they've grown up in areas and towns and things where maybe... There's a big thing about how much all these different companies did in these areas or mm. something. Like, I could easily imagine that some of the big companies, especially in the 50s and 60s, even though partially it was probably government mandated, mm. they probably did tons of stuff for the towns mm. Um, mm. that they were a part of. And so there's this culture is built up from yeah. the golden age of America where businesses were doing all these great things, mm. providing all these benefits, insurance, all this stuff. And it's like, awesome, look how much good they're doing. And then they degrade over time. Yeah. You can, it's like a perception. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like, it's not, it's not completely illogical. Like it makes sense to say, you know, yeah, you, you charge people for your taxes. They can spend that money on the things that they <clears throat> want instead of being forced to, like, it's not like it's, like you said, it's not evil and it's not like it's, um, completely stupid. It's just been tested and doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's basically that if you look at all the actual examples rather than the stuff that because that's the thing is there's, com there's instances of companies doing those good things but mm. if you look at the instances where they do it of their own volition mm. and there's no government behind them encouraging them to do more of something 
it doesn't work out the same way as it does in a country that does have that stuff built in. Yeah. Um, so to keep going with the brown bag thing, because that's not the end of it. Yes, sorry. Um, <laughs> basically, the idea... Okay, so the idea is missed all these payments, tons of stuff was missed, like tons of stuff. Um, and obviously, in the conservative logic, though, this should then mean positive economic growth, right? But what happened was, so on job growth, they lagged behind the national average. Um, and they were by far the most crazy state for these cuts at this point. So they should have been like at least above average <clears throat> and their own previous growth statistics. Um, so they're behind the national average and behind their own history of economic growth, um, which really is bad. Uh, they were also behind Missouri, Colorado and Nebraska. And as we all know, Missouri especially is not one of those states that's really famous for having massive or Nebraska, is really famous for having massive economic growth. Um, That's their not... fault for naming themselves something so close to misery. <laughs> <laughs> that, there you go, yeah, exactly. No, the, the, state, <laughs> the state of Missouri is not famous for having massive economic growth. Colorado has had its days, but Nebraska is basically a big farm state. Mm. So the thing is, it's not going to wildly go up or down. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, it's based on the rest of the country, because it provides food to everyone. Um, so on the budget, they had a $900 million funding gap, even with wow. the spending cuts, um, and a school system that used to outperform the rest of the country now performed well below national averages. Uh, millions were taken from the state pension fund and Kansas became the only state without a state funded arts commission and closed the nine social service, sorry, and closed nine social service offices around the state. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> On that, is it, do you know what the um, education like decline was about? Was it the socio-economic structure that made it harder, or was it the, literally the funding, like the? Well, I mean that that was a, from what I was reading in Dying of Whiteness because he goes into a lot more detail where he goes and talks to the people that were there. <clears throat> it's basically just far. Like I mean, you think about you know when you went to health and college or something like that, right? It's like there's all these programs. There's all yep. these different things going on. There's all these support things. There's help for this and help for that. And there's, uh, like, help to study here. Or there's after-school programs. Yeah, or there's other yeah. things. All that stuff, tons of it, was just ripped away. And, yeah. like, you had, like, music programs getting cancelled. You had far fewer teachers. You mm. had more students per teacher. Like, there was much money to replace all their equipment and books and things. Mm. And, like, the, the, the facilities weren't getting upgraded, the TVs. Just, I'd, just, be interested, I'd be interested to see, like, um, youth <clears throat> crime rates, too. Because I think once mm, you... Yeah. Once there's nothing to do, I think mm. a lot of petty crime is can be... Um, spared on by that just keeping Absolutely. teenagers busy helps to reduce them yeah and drug running. consumption like yeah. like things like the opioid crisis and everything else i think were like it's a, it's a reaction to joblessness mm. um but also if the whole system and everything is just like falling apart around you mm. and you don't have much to do then like i think because uh, they would have cut sports teams and stuff yeah. as well like yeah absolutely that would have happened just just to put all that together it's like at, at my school elfham college um which is a private school, by the private way. I went there school, as well. Yeah. Um, but it's um, not 
wildly dissimilar to a lot of the public schools that exist in Australia yeah, as well. Yeah, it's not as pretentious as most private schools. Yeah, no, no. I, so, so, sorry, I'll let Self-educated learning. Because I had a friend that went to the public school nearby and he's told me about what it's like there and it's definitely not, like, a different universe. Mm. Like, it's better, but it's not a different universe. And you, you I mean, you went to... I went to Viewbank, which yeah. is a public school, but... Yeah. kind of aspired to be a private school. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was yeah, pretty no. pretentious. So, so I'm just trying to make the point that it, while it is a private school, we do actually have a lot in common still yes. with the public schools in Australia because we have very famous for having massive state funding for schools. So, Sorry. So <laughs> just say the, just hypothetically, like, you know, one of the things that helped, oh, this is actually a, a real example, um, one of the ladies that was obviously a part of the funding there would help me in my um, spares and whatnot, mm. help mm. me study and whatnot. Yeah. You cut the funding, she's no longer one of the first people off the list. No. Therefore, I spend more time out with the hooligans of the school <laughs> rather yeah. than with someone who's prepared to help me. Therefore, yeah. you know, yeah. Because no, no, you feel like, I guess because you feel like someone gives life. a crap. You know, like yeah. there is someone there that gives a crap, mm. so you give a crap. Yeah, and if no one's there, then yeah. That's the unfortunate thing in society is you need need to make that money. Don't yeah. You? Yeah. And you'd be like, I'm just going to have people rock up to school and be like, yeah, I'm going to help. And then. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's like, I noticed the difference between like the public schools I'd seen in Australia and then going to um, the UK, mm. where like the, when I went to public school there, and it was like a different universe. Yeah. Like the level of quality, and you can see the immediate difference between high funded Australian public schools and that. Yeah. It's like, I think maybe they do spend a fair amount on public schools there, but I have no idea. Like, I actually don't know, mm. because the, honestly, the place was terrible. Mm. Like, all the high schools I went to there, it was like, you had a tenth of the programs that they would have here. Yeah. Um, it was sort of like the bare academic subjects, and that's it. Yeah. And it was kind of like, that's about it. Like, there was, like, the second one I went to, there was a bit of music stuff, but yeah. that was sort of it. Were you in a kind of a lower socioeconomic <clears throat> status area? In the UK, because Eltham is honestly, it was, yeah, I know, I know. Eltham, so. Eltham is wacky wealthy, but the thing is, like, so um, no, the parts I was in in England were all because I went to a public school first in a town called Toaster, which was really great. <laughs> um, it's spelled Towcester, like, like you know, like Leicester, oh, right. but they yeah, say the Toaster, British and I just loved the name. But it was really, <clears throat> but like Toaster, um, the, ta- like the town is a real mix because, like, most towns, there's like and obviously it's the stratified English town where yeah. you have one end is all the wealthy people, one end is all the poor people, yeah. and everything just sort of blends in the middle. And that was... So it was a real mix, that school. Uh, but it had really good, like, ratings for, mm. like, results. Um, so that's why my parents moved us out to Toaster. Um, and then um, I went to another school called... Which is called a grammar school there, which is basically... It's a publicly funded school, but... It's like trying to be private level, yeah. but you have to pass a test to get into it. Okay, yeah. So like, um, it's like it's it's a step above yeah. the other public schools, but you have to get you have to you know it's a meritocracy at least you have to earn your way in with like results. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that one was only a little bit better. Yeah, that was like it was a difference. There's definitely a difference, yeah. but not huge. Yeah. Nothing compared to what we had here in Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it wasn't, it wasn't elaborate and you can really see really easily how much stuff can get cut from a school. Like even that was still good. Like I've seen, I've seen much worse. We were next mm. to another school 
because the Royal Latin School. So in in Buckingham, right, you have the Royal Latin School, mm-hmm. and then which is like at the end of this driveway, and then past the driveway on the way to town, you have another school called Buckingham High, uh-huh. and Buckingham High is the normal public school, yeah, and it's got like ten Year Twelve students. Oh wow! Yeah, you know, like like whereas Royal Latin has about one hundred and fifty. Yeah. So it's like. This is where you everyone goes if they're really serious about doing final end of school because a yeah. lot of people quit in year um, eleven there, which is your year ten. Okay. Um, uh, and you walk past Buckingham High and you just get stuff thrown at you the whole time. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> there was like there's like a road that that drives right right by it, and as you walk down it, they'd all be on the other side throwing things over the fence and trying to hit you with stuff. <laughs> like that's sort of like that's the difference yeah. between Buckingham High. I never really went to Buckingham High though, so I have no idea what the situation what was like. like but with ten year twelve people, I assume it's not great. Yeah. Um, and then at the and then you have the whole of town, and at the other end of town, a mile down a driveway, surrounded by trees. <laughs> is Stowe, which is where Richard Branson's kids went. Okay. Uh, and yeah. they were going there at the time, apparently. But that is like, you can't get within, like, 500 metres unless you're a member of the school or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, that is that is England for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> public. A bit better than public. And then a state for the kings and queens <laughs> on the other side of the town. Um, so, yeah, no, I just, I've, I've seen the differences. Yeah. It's kind of the point I'm trying to make between, like, the different things. And I can see how easily Kansas would ruin its amazing reputation mm. as soon as they just stripped away teachers and programs and everything else. Um, so they took $1.3 billion from the highway fund over six years to cover other yeah. essential requirements and proposed taking another $600 million. So this is why potholes and highways in disrepair, all this yeah. stuff started happening. And obviously, it's kind of funny because if you think about when you first do this, there's probably this fudgy little ter- period where you've got low taxes and all the services are still great. Yeah. Because you haven't degraded they take time anything. To degrade. And yeah. it's like, look how well everything's working. Vote us in and we'll make it more crazy. Like, and then everyone's seeing, like, oh, wow, I'm paying half the taxes and all the roads are awesome. Yeah. And it's like, yep, <laughs> wait 10 years. And then. Um, yeah, so there was this kind of that, that's that's what happened. They just tore money away from everything mm-hmm. to cover just like commitments and debts and things that they had still. Um, so basically, by absolutely all metrics, uh, the experiment was a massive endorsement for having uh, proper state funding and taxing people adequately to pay for the things that you needed because roads deteriorated, the unemployment worsened, schools deteriorated, state revenue decreased um, because the other idea was that we're going to tax people less but like we're still going to get state revenue going up because businesses will grow. Mm -hmm. But judging by the unemployment and economic growth statistics, none of that happened. So basically people just copped it and no benefits were really seen. Um, And then Amazon was actually going to move its new headquarters to somewhere and they picked... Um, they were looking at Kansas for ages, and the big reason they sort of came to it was that the um, there was a general lack of availability of skilled staff. Mm. Um, so it's because the schools are. It's shit. a big part of it. Like, yeah. like the thing is, you got a lot of younger people who might be going through the schooling system and might want to go on to do programming or something. You think of a seven-year period this was happening. If you're like in year nine or something, and you're like, I want to go do stuff with computers. And the school doesn't do a computer program no. because they don't pay for one, so you have to do it all on your own. And then the state colleges and universities and stuff that do exist 
aren't doing anything really elaborate. And it's like, I could go do a really good one if I go another state over mm. and go to Ohio or something, State University. Any um, chances of coming back to... Yeah, it's like, why would I come back holes. to... Yeah, exactly, why would I come back to, to Kansas City after this? So, um... Kansas City. Hey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, if you were in a state college or anything like that, which a lot of people do there, they go to the um, state colleges. Yeah. And um, if if your program's taken away or whatever it is, then you're just going to go somewhere else. And that's why, like, you end up with this kind of situation where people just aren't doing anything because companies aren't paying for people to become these things. Mm. Like, they don't. And if they don't have them, this is what happens. They move to another state. Yeah. Like, there's this theory in in people's heads that, like, oh, if they don't find it, they'll have to make it themselves and they'll have to train people. But no, there's 20 million (laughs) other states. (laughs) Well... 20 million in theory? No. <laughs> but there's lots of other places globally and within America that you could go and find tons of people. Yeah. That was apparently one of the big things that they had with China was that like and any business, you go there and you set up a thing that you need done, you will find like a hundred people for every job you could possibly need because mm-hmm. like from high-end computer programmers to factory workers to everything in between, there is like tons of people out of work who could do those things yeah. in China, and that was apparently one of the big appeals. And so, um, yeah, when you're dealing with this kind of stuff, you this is part of the reason why people go and do those sorts of things um, and move production or workforces to China. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was essentially the end of the Kansas experiment. At the end of all of it, the Republicans actually voted to repeal it. Um, they got, but not, not Brownback. Brownback didn't. He committed hardcore. <laughs> and then he went over to Trump's camp and said, I'm super Trump pro everything. Um, and the, um, so that's, that's one of the people I think that is still working in Trump's team is, right. is Senator Brownback. But the rest of the, the rest of the, uh, GOP in that area and in Kansas basically voted to repeal those laws. Mm. So it sort of went back to sort of what it was. I don't know if it went back completely, but it definitely reversed yeah. a lot of the funding cuts and so the, the tax cuts. So this was meant to be this big thing that they were going to tout to everyone and say, look how great conservative theory is um, and how well it works. And you have this clear cut instance where they did it and they did it with a hardcore guy who was doing it exactly the way they were talk about. And it failed horribly. Mm. Like it, it, but no one ever talks about this anymore. <laughs> That's the thing, right? It's like, it's inconvenient to my story that I tell myself, so I'm never going to mention it again. And it's like, it's the insane sort of... Uh, you know, both sides say the other one is, uh, like, hypocrites all the time. Yeah. But like, this is nuts. Like, <laughs> like, this is ridiculous, having this kind of thing where it's like, I've done this thing, it is meant to achieve this economic goal, I've done it. It has done the opposite of achieving that economic goal. Surely you learn something from this when you've done it over an entire state. Mm. That was what you'd essentially call kind of a progressive state because of all its funding and yeah. its schools and everything else. And then you've taken it the other way and it's failed. Let's talk about that. But they don't. I, I'd never heard of it before, mm. before I read that book. And for all the... Like, I bet if this had worked, you would have been hearing about it constantly oh, sure. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like, we should be doing this everywhere. 
And actually, that's the thing. Even after it failed, a lot of the GOP was like, we're actually going to implement... We want to implement this nationally. Mm. Um, and it's like, <laughs> you just saw it fail. <laughs> and like, no, nah, we're going to... It'll be fine. Like, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't even know if they were really changing much about it. I think they just wanted to implement the same thing nationally. Like, and I think they think it'll work differently on a yeah. bigger scale or something. It's like, no. <laughs> so, so, Daniel. Yep. For the benefit of my beautiful backyard at home, I was uh-huh. thinking about firing my gardener and then watching that beautiful thing stay pristine. <laughs> I think you'll have a massive success, Shannon. <laughs> I really hope you do that because that would be, uh, yeah, it's just, it's so amazing. Like, it, it's, it's, the blindness is incredible. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happens if they did do it across the whole country, because then, yeah. like, where would Amazon go? Maybe the big companies would... They'd leave it go another just, country Yeah, just something. leave it all. I mean, that's the thing, is, like, why campus. not? Like, I think if, if, if they wanted to, they could just go to Canada or something. Yeah. And everyone, I think, thinks that no one wants to go to somewhere like Canada because they have higher taxes than America does, generally. But... If all the stuff was there and you had stable infrastructure, stable everything, mm. I think they'd do it. Mm. I don't think they'd think twice. I think there's a lot of other countries they could go to between, like, especially, like, in Europe, even. Yeah. Like, you just go to the, oh, not the UK, maybe Ireland or <laughs> Scotland or France or something. Like, I don't think they have a big problem with those places. It's, um, yeah, America, I think, thinks everyone wants to be there mm. no matter what mm. but if you really fuck everything up they're not gonna want to anymore no. but i thought i i thought i'd verse this against like so like i was saying i was trying to think of like really big examples for like the opposite for like a state that was super right-wing that then implemented a bunch of policies and went the other way but i couldn't really find anywhere it happened reasonably quickly mm-hmm. like i found like obviously in a lot of states in america over the course of the 50s and 60s and stuff in the 40s like after World War Two, um, there's a lot of states where state funding increased and they did more programs and stuff. Yeah, and everything got better um, across the whole country because everyone remember everyone who in America fantasizes the 50s and 60s, but that's the part when there was tons of state funding. Yeah, and the highest in the highest tax threshold for the top income bracket was something like 85. percent mm. Like it's like there was a lot of stuff in terms of funding and programs and things. But in terms of an easy option like the brown back thing that just went whoosh, like that, that you can clearly see the differences, I couldn't really find yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I thought I'd do instead um, is to compare it to something a bit more broad, which is basically the World Happiness Report. Because the, uh, the World Happiness Report is basically this report that comes out every year where they're trying to focus less on GDP because GDP is purely output and that could all be done by one company and one person and everyone else could be getting screwed. Yeah. But... Um, you could still have a high, even high GDP per capita mm. with one company making all the money. Mm. Um, so World Happiness Report, it basically takes GDP per capita, um, social support, so like social programs, all those kinds of things, yep. like how much, um, even then I think the another part of it is like they look at like family connections as well, like how much are you connected to like the, your yeah. community and your family and stuff. Um, healthy life expectancy, so not just life expectancy, but how long you're expected to be healthy. Uh, the f- 
do you feel like you have the freedom to make life choices? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you want to do stuff with your life and go somewhere, do a job, whatever it is, do you feel like you have the freedom to do that and, and you know, that kind of thing? Does that mean, like, changing, like, wanting to change path and that as well? That, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's like, it's like, um, if you wanted to change career, do you feel like you would have adequate support to be able yeah, to? Yeah. Do you feel like you're allowed to? Like, it's all kind of those things yeah, at once. As opposed to, like, get back in line. Like, yeah. It's basically, if I'm sitting in a job and I say to my Myself, I want to go do this with my life. Can I do it? Yeah, I reckon you can. Yeah, thank you, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told you what it is yet. That's just genocide. I just, no. <laughs> I just put Australia up another notch on the list. And then generosity took me a while to figure out what that was. Um, what it is is basically the feeling. It's the combined feeling of. Um, are you being generous to the people? Are, like, do you feel like you're generous to the people around you? Mm. And are they generous to you? Do you yeah, feel okay. like people mm. are being generous to you? Um, it's like a very vague sensation. Yeah, like but people it's looking like, after each other. Yeah, but I guess it's kind of the thing that, like, if you feel if you're in a town and no one's helping anyone, versus you're in a town where everyone is, yeah. you would mark that very differently. But it's, it's the back and forth, isn't it? Because you can be generous to other people just out of your own thing. But exactly. But if people aren't generous back to you, you just be like. Yeah, no, exactly, and that's that's the kind of why it's a combined, um, a yeah, combined cool. value. Mm. But then, and then the last one is perceptions of corruption. So it's basically, <laughs> regardless of whether or not there is actually corruption, yeah. do you think there is corruption? Oh, there is. Yeah, well, absolutely. Well, but... now you've just put Australia back down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we were at one a second Shit. ago. No, but okay, so... Think of all so, the money we save from printing now. Yeah. <laughs> so, to go in order, and, I, and I, it'd be interesting to see if, as you're listening to this, you hear a trend at all with this. The top ten countries of world happiness, based on those values... Uh, is number one, Finland, two, Norway, then Denmark, then Iceland, then Switzerland, then the Netherlands, then Canada, then New Zealand, then Sweden, and then Australia itself. So, um... Top ten, baby! <laughs> we made it just... They're like, we're all like that ice skater but that won because the everyone fell over. Yeah. <laughs> National like... hero. But we're the only ones that have warm weather, so... For someone like me who hates oh, the New cold, Zealand. Sort you know it's freezing. Oh, uh, it depends on part you're in. Yeah, it depends on part you're Also, Amsterdam, when I was there, was very, very hot. Okay, right. I'll take it back. <laughs> um, but, um, but uh, no, I'm, not, I, I'm happy to stay in Australia and be number 10. But basically, bad. if you look at these countries, I don't know if, you've no if you're listening and you haven't noticed yet, these countries are all, all of them, without exception, famous for being what you'd kind of call socialist white countries. Yeah. Where, like... They all have very robust government programs. They have very robust governments. Um, if you want to think in terms of like... And this is the thing I hear about a lot, which is like, oh, it's it's different because we have all these clashing cultures and people that aren't the same and it's a melting pot and we have all these other issues. New Zealand is half Maori. Like, like I mean, that yeah, alone has been a big issue for a long time mm. for a lot of people. Um, if you think of, say, Switzerland, I mean, Switzerland is kind of like its own culture because of over time, but I mean, that's a, that's just a clashing of German and French and Italian. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the other ones are a bit more like solid, but then the thing is there's tons of other countries that you could think of that are pretty like, I don't know, homogenous, yeah, I guess you call it like even well. like, like. Scotland and England and stuff are pretty homogenous mm -hmm. by the same metric as these ones. They'd be similar to the Netherlands, definitely. The Netherlands is a huge mess of people. Yeah. Like, it's... Um, 
it's sort of been this hub for people to come and do business and do things for a long time, but they have a very strong social mm. system at the same time. It's kind of like the Netherlands is actually almost like what I think America sort of wants to be like mm. without having to actually pay taxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this hub of business, but it's at the same time, it has the strong stuff on the side and everyone seems to get along reasonably yeah. well. Um, but yeah, like it, it, if that metric, so they interview people all over the world, that metric of those uh, of those things, GDP per capita, social support, healthy life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, generosity and corruption perceptions, and those are the 10 countries that are in the top 10, It's you have to compare that to the Brownback experiment, right? Mm-hmm. And say, from the data we can find, it seems like there is definitely a link between strong social support and government spending and programs and positive outcomes you know as opposed to all the crap show you had in kansas Mm. and i'm trying to like you try and think of other countries like where it's a bit lax i mean russia is definitely a country that has minimal social support um and very low taxes like i think the highest bracket is like 20 percent um and obviously we can all tell they are definitely not on the list (laughs) (laughs) and russia probably scored very high on perceptions of corruption until putin um edited the file and handed it back um and so we also have america and america was 18th overall um overall on the list of a list of uh happiness and Mm. it was 50 in the world on freedom to make life choices wow so a country that prides itself on everyone being allowed to do what they want the land of not so opportunity yes that's the thing is hey you're free to make two dollars an hour if you want (laughs) it's like that's the problem is it's like it's a country that's based on this idea of freedom above all else but you can see the actual repercussions the actual end product is you're very, very low on the scale because you're not using governance effectively. Mm. You're demonizing it and avoiding it altogether. Mm. So you're just relying on businesses to do everything. It's very um, individualistic. Yeah, exactly. I think that's part of it. Um, and I think a big part of the problem is that over the, after Reagan, so I mean, to bring it all back to sort of where we began um, to sort of summarize all this, is I think uh, you've got this big thing that's happened and where we've demonized government services and part of it also was bill clinton with the um the cgi which i think was the the clinton global initiative or something which is basically this thing that he set up in the 90s which the idea of it was that he'd have a big forum and they'd get everyone together to provoke to propose private solutions to big problems that exist in the world yeah so basically encouraging companies and people to think about ways that they could do it and it became absolutely the focus. Mm. Like, they sort of abandoned the idea of using the government to do things. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bill Clinton was kind of the first of this new era of Democrats that was like, yeah, you're right, we can't use government. Yeah. Like, the thing is, um, and it's sort of just fed the problem. The mm. world hasn't gotten better since then. I don't see companies solving these problems. No. But the thing is, it sort of kept going. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, no one's really turned up to sort of, like, make that work effectively. Mm. But that was his idea. And I think they were interviewing him for... Uh, it was that book, The the Way to Take All One, mm-hmm. that I was telling you about the other week. Um, they were inter- he was interviewing him for that, um, Bill Clinton himself, and he said, I can see that, like, it hasn't really worked out the way I wanted it to. Yeah. Like, I, it's not... 
it's not been effective in the way that I wanted the CGI to be. Mm. And it kind of became a platform for people to sell big solutions and stuff like that, but, like, nothing ever really happened. Yeah. It's more like it just became a big... It's like it's kind of what Ted became, you know. Mm. Like, like like Ted in a lot of ways is the is the predecessor, not the predecessor, the the uh, whatever whatever it's called when you Des- come after. Well, not descendant. That's only for living things. Let's just say descendant. Yeah, it's the descendant <laughs> of CGI because basically Ted <laughs> has become this commercial mess in a lot of ways. Um, it's not really about like important things in the same no. way that it was. It's more yeah. about business now. Once they um, <clears throat> did the Ted X. Bullshit. That's yeah. like, that's just gone yeah. in the toilet. Oh, uh, they've commercialized yeah. the whole thing and it's kind of just become a mess. I um, mean, it was already, I think when it launched, it was still pretty kind of elitist and yeah, kind of, yeah, not so, not as um, so I'm going to solve the world with an app. Yeah. <laughs> but now they've even just taken away the quality of the Yeah, because yeah, I mean, because for a while it was sort of about like people talking about their life stories and like, yeah. these major things they discovered about themselves and the world around them and stuff. Yeah. But then it's like, so then I thought I could solve world poverty with an app. Right. <laughs> if then, you hit this button, it solves poverty or it makes you think it does. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the classic book, How to Make a TED Talk presentation. Mm. Really? I haven't yeah. heard of that. Yeah. What is that? So there's a book that tells you how to like. Get your idea from, <laughs> and then convert it into oh, what kind of up on stage. Do you have and then, to, like, so like, like there's a, they've got it down to like a, you know, a little science. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, what kind of hack do you have to be to sit there and read that and go? Everyone's gonna respect me so much when I read this and make my TED talk to the exact formula. Like, there's no reflection. It's just how's it gonna look. There's yeah. not. What does this mean about me as a person? That I'm doing this? You gotta fit the TED mold. You gotta become TED. Yeah. I am how TED. To, how to be TED? So, um, look. So at the end, the idea that I just wanted to discuss and implant and think about is basically. That we have demonized the shit out of state solutions yeah. in a lot of the West, and we've become enamored with this like sexy marketing around like business solutions. But yeah. the reality is, all the times that any positive outcomes have been achieved, whether internationally or within like within like Europe or, or America or anywhere, it's when the two things have been in a healthy unison yeah. with each other. Whereas with the 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 businesses are meant to drive and drive and drive and try and create growth and innovation. And the idea is that the government is create is creating like a framework around them mm. so that they can't start smashing into all the good things that we want. <laughs> so then that's the idea. Like you have like you have like the energy of this bull rampaging around. You want to drive it into useful things like mm. a I don't know like like a dam when you're driving water <laughs> into like turbines, whatever it is. It's like you're trying to drive that energy away from destroying things and yeah, so in a way that benefits the whole community exactly i thought yeah. you meant for a second there you were going to drive into a dam <laughs> I, I could and then i'd probably be dead <laughs> but yeah it's just you need the two things acting in unison if you go full government you're just going to get you know an, an army of state services and nothing yeah. and no we should we should acknowledge that go- it's not like government services are perfect no of course not no, 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 <laughs> no. Like, i'm just they like, can be really slow and they can oh, be absolutely. really efficient and yeah um a lot of money probably gets wasted yeah because they're not looking at the bottom line so hard yeah. but that doesn't mean you should completely yeah just i mean it's and throw the, it all in the bin throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah, exactly. and i think having extra funding does kind of help solve a lot of those problems yeah 
Um, yeah. It's yeah. almost like the difference between the two of them is like the buck stops with the government service if something is to go wrong, but mm. then with business, it's almost like, oh, we got to find someone else to blame. And it's just like, yeah. 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 And I think my, my philosophy has always been I want government to help with the essentials, you know, healthcare. Well, really, really I think, I, I think the way I've always sort of tried to conceptualize it is that basically anything, any need that is being missed, the yeah. government should be trying to fix until it's met. Yeah. So the thing is, like, if businesses are missing something, like, like healthcare is just going to crap or something like that, yeah. the government needs to step in and do that yeah. until businesses do it in an ethical way. And then you can step back again. And yeah, then but they're not going to do it in ethical. You need to really. No, no, but that's what I mean. Yeah. Like you need, if you can't, then you need to find a healthy like balance point yeah. where like there maybe are insurance providers, but you control them very rigidly. Yeah. So they have to like provide efficient services and stuff. Yeah. Like it has to be a push and pull medium thing, and we have to get rid of this idea that we've demonized government altogether because mm. it's both together that makes all these great countries with all these great results and all these happy people mm. is when the two things act in unison. Um, so anyway, that that would pretty much be episode thirteen, unless you guys have anything to add. No, no. It t- takes two wings to fly. It does. Ooh. Good analogy. I like that actually. That's a great way to finish this. So it takes two wings to fly, and I will see you later. This has been Daniel. I've been Carla, and I'm Ted. I'm Ed. still Shannon. <laughs>